Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Good morning. This is Jeff Porter. Uh, This morning's reading comes from the 56th Psalm. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? All day long they twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Because of their wickedness, do not let them escape. In your anger, God, bring down the nations. Record my misery. List my tears in in your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise... In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God I trust, and am not afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you. For you have delivered me from death, and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. The next reading comes from 2 Kings 5, 1-14. Now Naaman was a commander of the army of King Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aaron had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Nahum's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Nahum left, taking with him ten talents of silver, uh, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Nahum so to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he was trying to pick a quarrel with me? Then Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes. He sent him his message. Why have you torn your robe? Have, have the men come to me? And he will have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Nahum went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Nahum went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in rage. 
Nahum's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then will, when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. And the final reading today is from 1 Corinthians 14, 13 through 25. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else, who is now put in the position of an inquirer, say, Amen, to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you are saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children in regard to evil. Be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law it is written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to his, this people. But even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God really is among you. Good morning and welcome to the fourth Tuesday after Epiphany. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. Our readings this morning come thanks to Jeff Porter from Psalm 56, 2 Kings 5, and 1 Corinthians 14. And in it we hear of uh, a commander of the army of the king of Aram, Naaman or Naaman. I've heard that twice in two days. Um, And he has leprosy and the wider story is very interesting and I, I'll try to get to it but I want to point out as I'm sure some listeners might have noticed that um, Naaman has uh, taken a young captive girl um, from Israel uh, to be his wife's slave and uh, nonetheless when the question arises of, you know, who might cure me of my leprosy, he goes to that same place uh, and to the king of Israel, who may or may not know that Naaman has an Israelite slave, um, and asks for healing. Um, the, the only, like, redeeming word, I suppose, that I might offer is that clearly the, the, the woman is the one who suggested go to Samaria, um, you know, my the prophet of my people can cure you. And so it may be that she was actually treated really well and she wants what's best for her, um, her 
slave master and slaver. Um, and uh, to point out that you know chattel slavery of uh, 400 years in our country is very different, is historical anomaly um, to fight so hard to keep this institution. I can go over all the weird shit that Christians did and like not baptize them because then if you did, they were humans with souls. And um, but um, enslavement um, in the ancient world was different. Um, better to be a slave than to be killed in battle or raped and and killed or, or pillaged or anything else. Um, and because it was, um, I don't know, a more practical affair, um, there were there weren't as much like, yeah, it's it just different. Um, and so we see these places where servants and slaves have a strikingly congenial relationship with their enslavers, um, in part because slavery was just an accepted part of the you know the world order. If you lose in battle. You and your people, those who survive, are going to be carried off to serve your new masters. And to that end, you get medical treatment, um, you get food, you get shelter, um, and you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's not too bad in compared to you know being killed in battle. But uh, to the the wider point, or the the more interesting point in terms of military service. Um, Naaman, uh, as a commander, he has a lot of rank, and he acts like it. He acts like rank is supposed to get him something. And I'm sure um, many of my listeners who uh, have been through the military know of some officers are really good, and some officers are very stereotypically officers, uh, and some are even you know abusive in their power. And it doesn't strike me that Naaman is abusive, but he does seem to have a bit of arrogance about, um, you know, his his place in society. Um, when he does finally get this opportunity to be healed, we'll just assume that he believes, but um, uh, it isn't a, a, well, it probably is a measure of his own personal belief, whether he can be healed whether there is a God in Israel or Aram that, that can heal him. But um, when this man of God um, that he's finally found his way to um, comes out, or he doesn't even come out, he sends a, a servant to say, oh, um, well, here, do this thing and you'll be fine. It's very anticlimactic. Um, but Elisha doesn't meet with him. He just hangs, stays in his house. Um, and there's, uh, you know, a bit of ego, uh, hurt pride when he's kind of reminded that, you know, in the eyes of God, he's no more important than any other, you know, foreigner or, or whatever, man, woman. Um, and Elisha doesn't seem to have time for him. And he says, well, I would have thought that, um, you know, I, of, of all people, um, that he would come out and you know do his magical stuff and cure me. Um, for me, he would surely come out, um, and of course that's not the case. And so uh, Elisha kind of puts him in his place, and you'll notice that there are a few parallels between this incident and the centurion of great faith in Matthew eight and Luke seven. 
um, there's some important differences as well. Um, but a, a military man comes to uh, Jesus, the man of God, uh, seeking healing. And there are servants involved, not just the, the servant girl in Israel, but also the military man's servants. And this guy is arrogant. He says, surely for me he would come out. Um, and Luke and Matthew, or, you know, it happens in two Gospels, so it's more likely to be historically, you know, reliable. Um, depending on the version, he sends, a, he sends a servant to the man of God. He thinks he's unworthy um, to, to have his servant healed, not even himself. Um, so the expectation is flipped. In the Gospels, the military man is humble, and his humility is, is overplayed even. You know, I'm, I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof, but only say the word and my, and my servant shall be healed. Um, here in Second Kings, he expects him to come out and wave his hand and do something magic and show a shot, sign, and then he walks away, uh, you know, happy and fat and, and sated. Um, and that's not what happens. So the Gospels, um, when Jesus um, is the man of God at play and the audience is, is Jews and Gentiles who are interested in healing, the lesson is, is overplayed, right? Even in Second Kings, you can kind of get this sense like, I thought I would come out and wave my hand, like he's not humble. And that's the point. God does cure, you know, arrogant people. Um, he does seem to still want healing, which shows a certain amount of contrition. But in the New Testament, in these two incidences, or these two passages describing a very similar incident, um, the same lesson is being told, but in a positive, with a positive spin. He is an exemplar of what to do, the centurion of great faith, who I call Captain Marvel, um, because Jesus marvels at this military man's faith. Um, uh, whereas in Second Kings, it's like this negative lesson. Don't, don't take this as what you are supposed to do. Don't be haughty and arrogant and prideful and think that you're better than anybody else. Do be humble and consider others better than yourself, that the will of God doesn't bend to your interests. And so there's this subtle parallel between the Old Testament, uh, Elisha, and his healing as a man of God, and the centurion of great faith in the New Testament, how Jesus, his message and his interest and his ex expectation of his followers is put in stark terms so that we can understand that humility is the threshold uh, over which we all must cross in order to approach God. Prayer for those in the armed forces of our country from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, we commend to your gracious care and keeping all the men and women of our armed forces at home and abroad. Defend them day by day with your heavenly grace. Strengthen them in their trials and temptations. Give them courage to face the perils which beset them and grant them a sense of your abiding presence wherever they may be. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. 
If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.